If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome, everybody, to Dragon Quest FM, where we talk about and obsess over Dragon Quest. I'm Austin, and once again this week, BJ is actually not here because of his jaw. This is the last week he's taking off. He should be back next week. This week's episode is actually our annual listeners Q&A. We did one last year. It was a lot of fun. And last year, it was actually during the time that BJ was visiting me at my house. So we're actually together in the same room for the very first time and recording the podcast was kind of a celebration of that. This time it is the complete opposite because not only are we not in the same room, we are not even recording together this week, but we still wanted to get to our Q&A. So we decided to do it a little bit differently this time. So instead of me reading off BJ's portions, like I did in last week's episode uh, for our final thoughts on Dragon Quest IV, for this episode, I'm just going to be answering the Q&A questions myself. And then next week, when BJ is back here to join me, uh, I'm going to be asking him these questions, letting him answer, and maybe adding on to my thoughts then. So anyway, this is essentially Austin's answers. And then next week, we will have BJ's answers for all of the listener Q&A. Special thanks to everybody who sent us questions, asked us stuff. Uh, some people told us stuff and then asked us stuff. So just thanks for to everybody who participated in this. Uh, we asked people online to submit questions. We gathered them all together from places like Twitter, Patreon, uh, our DQFM email. And, and today we're going to try to answer uh, some of those questions. So uh, let's get just straight into it. Question number one actually comes from Twitter. Uh, this is from at Tornico Taloon 97, who asked, Eleven blew the door wide open for lore. Where do you guys see the series going for 12? In terms of lore, uh, I, I honestly have no clue. Uh, I, I, I'd like to see more of the Eag Dragon. I, and I kind of expect that to play into the overall story again. Uh, something with the Eag Dragon coming into play uh, for 12. And then just, I mean, I really enjoyed Tackles, uh, the little uh, Yochis, Spirits of Lost Time, Tackles, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I really loved those guys, and I'd love for them to show up again as well, even if it's in a different capacity. Kind of like uh, how Moogles exist in the Final Fantasy series, where they're kind of in almost every single one, but they kind of have different functions. Um, so I'm not, I'm not necessarily wanting Tackles to, again, you know, have altar of ages and that kind of stuff necessarily. Um, or it even be like where you have to, you know, find different colored ones out in the overworld or anything like that. But I would like to see them still be a part of just the Dragon Quest world and in Dragon Quest 12. Maybe you like get to visit a town uh, where they live 
uh, and they're just kind of sprinkled or they're just sprinkled throughout towns and you can interact with them just as NPCs, kind of like you do with uh, Tickle and Ickle uh, and some of the others there in DQ11. Uh, so that's the kind of thing that I would kind of like to see in 12, uh, just in terms of just purely lore, I really don't know. And I guess spoiler warning for people who haven't completely played through 11 here, but because of 11's ending making me think it's set before any of the previous games, um, you know, it kind of, I mean, it really does. It's just like, uh, it's just like you said, in terms of it blew the door wide open for lore. So I'm not really sure if we would get kind of like sequel i say sequel to 11 but you know kind of like five is a sequel to four that kind of thing i'm not sure if we're going to get something like that in 12 or if we're going to go even further back in time or if there's even going to be some kind of like alternate timeline going on but either way i can i feel pretty confident in saying that i i think the e dragon is going to play into that uh at some point and somehow into 12 Keeping up with the theme of Dragon Quest Twelve, it actually brings us uh, to our next question. Question two comes from Landy via email. Uh, Landy said, I listened to you guys talk about your hopes and dreams for DQ12. You both mentioned a female protagonist, but what about a black protagonist? I love DQ, but I don't feel like they have representation for people of color, really. So what would you guys think about a person of color as a hero or just as a party member? So I've actually thought about this a lot, and it's something that BJ and I have kind of talked about through text and different things. Dragon Quest, okay, Dragon Quest has some people of color. There, there's Mina Maya in four. There's Sancho in five. I mean, it's generally Spanish people uh, that are in Dragon Quest. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I can't. I really can't think of a black character at all that's played a big part in these games. And actually, now that I'm even thinking about it, I don't know if I can even think of a a black NPC that played a big part in any of these games. Uh, So unless you create one, I guess in nine or 10, like for yourself, like your own hero, uh, when you're messing around with skin color and stuff like that, and the customization, uh, I guess they don't exist. So, I mean, that's actually a really good point. I knew that there hadn't been one like for a party member, but now that I'm just really thinking about it and you asked that. Yeah. Uh, So, I, I mean, I would love to see a black protagonist or just or just a party member, like you said. Uh, my biggest issue, I guess, with that or fear, I guess, for that uh, is that I really haven't been all that impressed with ones uh, that have made it into Final Fantasy, um, like Barrett and Saws in Final Fantasy 13. Because, I mean, I, I liked Saws in 13. Uh, I don't really like Barrett, but it's just that both of uh, most of those uh, are kind of built around like stereotypes and I haven't played Final Fantasy 7 remake so I can't speak for that one at all uh, I played most of the demo and saw Barrett and he still kind of felt like a Mr. T late 80s early 90s kind of stereotype uh, so so yeah I think it could be a mixed bag I think if I think if it's handled well yes um, it's just uh, I feel like in so many JRPGs uh, there's a fine line between like caricature and like good representation. Personally, I would love that. Uh, more people of color in there, female protagonists in there. I mean, anything that mixes it up 
So this brings us over to question number three. Uh, it's from one of our Patreon patrons, Alinzia. And uh, she said, I would love to hear your wife's thoughts on the series. I'm actually going to be really interested in hearing what BJ has to say for this section next week. <laughs> uh, because outside of us playing Fortune Street uh, with his wife when we were up there uh, just a couple of months ago, I don't know that Jennifer, his wife, has had any exposure to Dragon Quest. Uh, so I'm going to be very interested in seeing what her thoughts are on the series and, and you know, if she really has any other than just um, it's a series that she knows about. So I asked my wife, though, and she's she's been on the show a couple of times. She played Dr. Agon or BJ with us back in season one, and she, she sat in for BJ uh, for a Valentine's Day episode, and she has not really played any of the mainline games. Uh, but I, I did ask her and, and basically what she said is she, she likes it. She likes the monsters, especially the slime. She's used to a lot of that stuff because of all the merch I have and uh, that my kids play with now and things like that. And she said she likes how silly it is. Uh, and she's enjoyed fortune street and playing roulette in 11 and 11 S, which I know I've talked about on the show. Uh, but that's about it for what she's played. Uh, she also said that she likes it more because Naomi, Naomi's our oldest daughter. She turned four uh, recently, uh, but Naomi's into it and Naomi talks about it a bunch. Uh, so that, you know, has definitely uh, inspired Grace to get into it more just because uh, Naomi and even our twins now who are two, they recognize stuff as they, as Dragon Quest and they, uh, the blue slimes, especially uh, they sometimes, fight over the blue slimes, including the blue slime that Alenzia actually uh, made me and sent me. So they know that kind of stuff. So it's kind of like Grace has gotten into it because I'm so into it and because the girls like it too. Uh, so it's kind of encouraged Grace uh, to, to learn more about the series just because literally every other human being in the house uh, is into it. Uh, but she did say that she will never love it as much as me. And I am inclined to agree with that. Question number four uh, also came from Twitter. This one came from Joey Douglas on Twitter. Joey asked, what are the chances of a Heroes 3 or Builders 3? And what would you like to see in them? So I'll answer the first part of that uh, first. What are the chances of a Heroes 3 or Builders 3? I think the chances are good for a Heroes 3. I'm not so sure about Builders 3, uh, just because the guy that directed the Builder series, uh, I looked his name up uh, really quickly. It's Kazuya uh, Ninuo. He, he left Square Enix. He left the company. And I mean, I get that a series can continue on without the directors. Uh, and I realize that happens all the time. I mean, directors leave projects and the series continues on without them. But right now... I think because of that, I think it means that the chances are higher for us to get a Heroes 3 over a Builders 3. Like if I had to choose which one is going to get here first, I would say Heroes 3. Um, it's kind of in a like a weird position right now, really, because we had there for a while, you know, it was like Heroes came out, then Builders, Heroes 2, Builders 2 just released last year. Uh, and then here in 2020, it's like there's no new Dragon Quest games releasing in the West for the first time in like five years. 
four or five years. So, uh, so it is, it is kind of odd. Um, I think, I think heroes two, uh, just go, I mean, I, I liked heroes two, but I think going back on it, I think it kind of felt maybe, uh, like a, a rush job to get it out for the, what was it like 30th anniversary? So yeah, as much as I like Heroes 2, I think that might have been why it was it was put out so quickly after the first Heroes game. Um, so I'd like to think that Heroes 3 is happening and they're just taking their time with it. Uh, I assume we'll eventually get that Monsters game before we get any other spinoffs, but because it's been so long since we've heard anything about it and it seems to be kind of plagued with some development troubles, then you know who, who really knows? But I think I think the chances for a Heroes 3 and Builders 3, I think both... I think the odds of them happening are really good. I think it's just a matter of when. In terms of what I'd like to see in them, for Heroes 3, I definitely want some representation from Eleven. Um, I think that could be, you know, really cool. I mean, Eleven has a great cast. And so I think Heroes 3 uh, could be really cool. You know, you could have like Rab and Tornico team up. And you could have like Silvando hanging out with, rough or some of the other kind of otter uh dragon quest characters so it could be cool it could also be a cool way to tease 12 as well if they wanted to throw in a character from 12 uh so i i think it could also be cool to see the actual heroes from the mainline games um if like uh, honestly i mean we've had so many side characters uh in the first two heroes games that it could be a way to really uh, mix up that formula if Heroes 3 were only about the heroes. I mean, that'd give them 11 characters to work with. Uh, and even more if you counted the female versions of the games that have them. And so I think that could be a really cool way to just mix up the formula if Heroes 3 is literally just about the heroes. Uh, for Dragon Quest Builders 3, I think 2 I think two was a step in the right direction in terms of just uh, them improving upon the first one. Uh, but honestly, I wish they'd trim the fat a bit. Uh, I'm, I, I'm looking forward to hearing what BJ has to say on this next week, because he still says Dragon Quest Builders 2 is like his favorite Dragon Quest game, just period, I think. Even even including like the mainline games and everything, he just, something about Builders 2 just really spoke to him, and he loved it. Uh, so I, I, I'm interested in seeing what he has to say on this next week. Uh, but uh, personally, I think they could trim some of the, the fat there, like the Skullcatraz Island stuff. It seems like a lot of people, uh, myself included, kind of felt jarred by that and thought it broke up the narrative too much. And I liked it. I just thought it went on far too long. Same thing with Moonbrook. It just felt like it felt like the game just went a little too long, had a little bit too much uh, in it. So I wish they would kind of trim that a bit for Builders 3. Uh, I assume also that it would go along with Dragon Quest 3, uh, since that's kind of been the flow of the other two games so far. Um, and I don't know, maybe they could have Ortega be a major part of the plot. Uh, that would be cool because you, you you hear a lot about Ortega in 3, but you don't really get to see him much in 3, and you don't really get to see his heroics and things like that. So it, it could be cool. Uh, if maybe, you know, the builder is like BFFs with Ortega, uh, the way the builder is best friends with Malroth and two, or maybe, I don't know, maybe even Ortega starts off as, as a builder and then he becomes a hero. Uh, just something like that. They could kind of mix things up, 
but would tie in closer to Dragon Quest three. And I think that could be honestly be a really good way to do it um, is, you know, have Builders three set before the events of Dragon Quest three and have it tied some way uh, to Ortega, which eventually, you know, leads back to the hero and all of that good stuff. Uh, So that's kind of, I guess, where I would like Builders three to go with that. So we've got a few more questions uh, left to answer in today's Q&A episode, uh, but it is that time for shameless self-promotion. Shameless. So we like to showcase artists a lot during our community spotlight segments. Uh, and in today's episode, uh, we just really wanted to direct folks over to the Dragon Quest art Tumblr. Uh, we usually talk about fan artists a lot on here, but not so much like art that's actually from games and manuals and things like that. Uh, so thanks to kind of a happy accident from last week's episode, uh, we got to talk to the person who runs that account and see a lot of the art there for ourselves. And it's super cool. Uh, if you're interested in seeing like really great high quality scans from Japanese manuals and guidebooks, uh, be sure to check it out. There was even some DQ6 armor illustrations uh, that came from a Japanese guidebook that I'd never seen before. Uh, So be sure to check that out. That's at dragonquestart.tumblr.com. And you can check some of that stuff out there. It's really cool. Uh, You might even find some DQ stuff you haven't seen before. And as usual, we will definitely link to it in the notes for today. So if you just want to look over at the show notes that we have posted, you can click on that link and head straight over to the Dragon Quest Art Tumblr and maybe see some really cool guidebook and manual art that you've never seen before. Also, since it is shameless self-promotion, I want to remind everybody that I have a Dragon Quest book out. It's called The Dragon Quest Book, Interviews and Reflections on the Fandom in the West. It's got a whole lot of me in it, but it's also got a ton of stuff from other Dragon Quest fans, whether they're content creators uh, in the community or just people who play Dragon Quest and really love it. I've got a lot of that packed into this book. If you haven't checked it out already, please do. I would just love it if everybody would read it. Uh, It's really cool. It's kind of like my love letter to both the fandom in the West and and the series. I mean, but really it's about the fans, you know, in the West and all the lengths we sometimes have to go to to appreciate Dragon Quest. (laughs) But now uh, let's head on back to our Q&A and just jump right in. So question number five. Uh, This comes from another one of our Patreon patrons, uh, Todd. Todd said, I was recently listening to old episodes of Geek to Geek. That's BJ's other podcast. And BJ said, I don't like Dragon Quest. I want to like it, but I don't. Uh, Which, by the way, that quote just like hurts me deep down in the heart right now. Uh, But then Todd said, what happened to change you from staunchly not liking it to liking it enough to make a podcast about it? That's a great question. And I can't speak for BJ. Uh, So we'll find out. This is kind of a tease, I guess, for next week, because I'm going to let him answer this one uh, completely. Uh, But I'm going to go ahead and say that I think a couple of factors went into that. Uh, One is that when he made the statement, he'd only played the first Dragon Warrior game as a kid. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I kind of am slightly offended that he would say that without really playing any Dragon Quest games. Uh, And then uh, two, I don't think he realized that he had friends who loved DQ at the time. And then he started talking to those friends about Dragon Quest a lot more. And so that kind of got him into it. And then three, obviously, is he he started playing other Dragon Quest games. Uh, he's mentioned it before on the show, and I'm sure he'll mention it next week. 
Uh, he played DQ eight thanks to Bobby. And then he played uh, some spinoffs and then he played 11 because I was playing them. <laughs> and so I think, I think all of that kind of went into him falling in love with dragon quest. Um, we'll, we'll see what he says, but I, th- I think the biggest thing is just that he hadn't really played any games when he said it. Um, but anyway, I- I'll be eager to see what he has to say for himself uh, next week. I'm going to grill him a little bit on that. Uh, but that is a-, a great question, Ty. So that one was more for BJ, but we actually have another one that is a little more uh, for-, for me. Uh, this one comes from Elizabeth Juarez, uh, who asked... Uh, in Austin's book, he talks about getting into Dragon Quest for the first time, but what drew you to it in the first place? Why did you decide to give DQ a shot? Uh, which is actually a really good question because I don't know. I think I've mentioned it on the show before, um, but yeah, I guess I guess it's not in the book. I don't know. I don't. Re- I honestly don't remember. Uh, but uh, for me, it was a hundred percent the desire to play JRPGs in a fantasy setting. Uh, I had gotten really tired of of JRPG series like Final Fantasy uh, that started leaning heavily into sci-fi. And I just wanted like a true high fantasy JRPG, just like the ones I enjoyed as a kid all the way through college. I just wanted that. And, and Dragon Quest was definitely that kind of high fantasy JRPG that I'd always been looking for. And that's really what it was, is I just, I wanted a high fantasy JRPG I knew about Dragon Quest. They were all high fantasy JRPGs. And I was like, yes, this is going to be the series for me. And that led to me, you know, playing my first Dragon Quest games and just really getting into the series. Uh, Also, thanks for reading my book. (laughs) Question uh, number seven comes uh, from Corey. Corey actually uh, messaged us on Twitter. And uh, Corey wrote, you guys have talked a lot about the Zenithia trilogy possibly coming to Switch. But if you had to choose a different DQ game, like a spinoff, what would you choose? I know the GBC Monsters is in Japanese. He's talking about on Switch, I think. Uh, you think that'll ever come over, or do you want a different Switch port? Um, that is a really good question, because I'm greedy, and I want Switch ports of like everything. <laughs> uh, but I'd love the Heroes games uh, to be ported in English to Switch. I mean, we, they already exist. They're in Japanese, and we already have English translations from the PS4 versions and PC versions of the game. So honestly, I'm just like, what, what's stopping you from bringing it over English to Switch? Like, why can't, why can't you just do that? In my mind, it seems really easy. And I get it's more complicated than that. But I mean, you already have English translations of this stuff, and you already have a Switch version of it. So why can't you just like mush the two together and give us an English Switch version? But I mean, I have already played those. Uh, So personally, uh, I think I would probably end up prioritizing some of the older games uh, like Caravan Heart or some of the other older monster games uh, before I would prioritize uh, an English Heroes version of Switch. An English version of Caravan Heart or some of the uh, Monsters games on Switch and in English could be really cool. Um, just in terms of games that maybe don't exist already. Uh, I mean, I think, again, I think we're going to hear some DQ Monster news about that Eric uh, Mia game soon. Uh, hopefully that will make it to the West. Hopefully that will be on Switch. I mean, at, at this point, I kind of just assume it's Switch. But we haven't officially heard anything about consoles. 
they haven't said, hey, this is coming out on Switch. So right now, the console is a mystery, and, and you know, is it going to come west is a mystery. Uh, but I would definitely want that one on Switch. I think Rocket Slime 3 would be really awesome on Switch and in English. I mean, you know, we, it came out on 3DS in Japan, and I know that there's a fan translation of it, but it would really be cool to have an official English version of it and have it over uh, on Switch. Or even a Rocket Slime 4. Even a sequel. A new game. Let's just talk about flat-out new games here. Uh, I think the Rocket Slime series especially could thrive on the Switch and in the West. I mean, I can't tell you how many indie games I feel like I've played on Switch in the last few years that kind of have that Rocket Slime vibe, you know? They kind of have some platforming mixed with kind of some, like, Zelda style like you know treasure hunting collecting going on and i think you know rocket slime 3 uh english port or just a brand new rocket slime 4 uh would really thrive on the switch i mean i think that could sell a whole lot of copies and just really get even more people into dragon quest i mean 11 did a good job of that 11s uh, kind of brought it further then you had smash then you had you had Builders 2. I mean, there's all these things that have come out on Switch that has made Dragon Quest more popular in the West. And so I think, you know, icing on the cake would be a Rocket Slime 4 uh, to just put out and time it just right. And it could be really awesome. And maybe I'm dreaming. Maybe that will never happen. Uh, but, you know, if you're just asking me to dream big here about uh, what I'd personally like to see uh, come to the Switch, I think, you know, Rocket Slime 4... It's probably uh, toward the top of that list. I mean, I think that could be really cool. So that about does it for uh, this week's episode. Uh, those were kind of all of my answers uh, to the questions we were going to use on the show. Make sure you tune in next week and listen to all of BJ's answers. Uh, I- I'm going to be here too next week, but you know we're going to focus on BJ's answers next week. Uh, so thank you guys for listening. Remember, you can talk to us on Twitter at DragonQuestFM. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dragonquestfm and on Patreon at patreon.com slash dragonquestfm. If you want to talk to me personally, I'm on Twitter at dragonquaston. And you can also check out my Dragon Quest blog. That is at dragonquestaustin.com. Working on revamping the site right now, actually. And if you're listening to this episode live, I have a new post up this week. Uh, it's where I'm counting down my top 10 favorite human vocations from Dragon Quest Seven, It's a question somebody had asked me a couple of weeks ago, and it seemed like a good post uh, to just write up. So instead of just listing a few of my favorites, I did like a top 10 countdown. So if you like Dragon Quest Seven, you like the vocation system in that game like I do, uh, then be sure to check that out over at DragonQuestAustin.com. If you want to talk to BJ personally, he's on Twitter too. Uh, his Twitter handle is at Professor Beej. You can also listen to him every week on the geek to geek podcast. And uh, you can read stuff he's written uh, about different video games. He did a recent post on Final Fantasy VI, uh, and that is at geek2geekmedia.com for the geekery. So be sure to check all of that out as well. Remember, I also have a new podcast. It's called JRPGs and Me, uh, where I sit down and just talk about JRPGs and me. Uh, There's a new episode this past week that dealt with Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door. So be sure to check that one out. Once again, thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.